Good morning. These three old men were out walking. One of them said, it's windy. The other one said, no, it's Thursday. The other one said, no, uh, 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 I'm sorry, the other one said, it's Thursday. The other one said, no, uh, let me start over. I don't usually usually mess up jokes, but I really mess that one up, okay? All right, these three men were out walking. One of them said, it's windy. The other one said, no, it's Thursday. The other one said, yes, I am too. Let's stop and get something to drink. (laughs) Now I got it right, okay? Now I tell jokes on old people because I are one. And I'm going to have a birthday next Friday, and I've decided it's going to be my last one. I don't mean I'm going to die. I'm just going to quit having birthdays. And there's a friend of mine sitting back there who's done the same thing. And when some people ask me how old I am, I say, I don't know. I quit having birthdays. Because I'm running out of 70s, and I don't want to use the word 80 yet. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, it's okay. I'd rather be over the hill or under the hill, wouldn't you? But, uh, (laughs) okay, let's get serious here. Anybody here today that's uh, been diagnosed with any type of cancer? Anybody? Anybody? Have you? I saw a hand back there. Barely saw a hand. Anybody here? Okay. Sir, would you come up here and get this book? Is there a lady back there that raised her hand? Okay. Are you with her? The guy in the green shirt? Okay, would you come up here a minute? I want you to give her this book. The book called Healed of Cancer by Dodie Olstein. 1981, she was uh, diagnosed with uh, stage four liver cancer. Okay. Give that. Is that your, is that your wife? Okay, thank you. 1981, she was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. Bubba, that's about as worse as you can get, isn't it? Well, she's alive today. She's 90 years old, and she's in perfect health. She simply took God's word to heart. And there was 40 scriptures uh, that she prayed three times a day. And the Bible says God's word does not return to him void. God sent forth his word and healed us. But we can't casually read it. We have to read it uh, with a discipline. And so she disciplined herself to read these 40 verses of Scripture three times a day. And uh, she never went back to confirm the cancer was gone because she got healthy. Someone, many people have asked her, well, did you ever go confirm? Well, I'm 90 years old. Is that enough confirmation? You know? I was in my 40s when I got diagnosed. God's a healing God. And some people have taken that and abused it like everything else. But we need to believe that God's a healing God. In fact, one of his names is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I want to talk to you today and for the next several weeks, literally on the subject of faith. Faith has uh, received a renewed sense of popularity, it seems like, in the last few years. And there's a, a lot of preachers today that are preaching about faith. In fact, there's a faith movement. There's a, churches that call themselves Word of Faith uh, churches. And some of the promises that they make run from the sublime to the totally ridiculous. But um, they, they do it all under the name of faith. And, and they're saying things almost like this, and I can't... They're saying, if you have faith enough to name it, you can claim it, okay? If you can blab it, 
you can grab it. But what does the Bible do? Let me give you an example of that. I had a few, well, several years ago now, I had a man call me one day. He said, Pastor, can you come out to my uh, office for a minute? There's something I need to talk to you about. I said, sure. So I, I went out there, and he handed me $200. Well, it wasn't my birthday. It wasn't Pastor Appreciation Month or anything like that. I said, well, Bill, thank you, but what's this for? He said, before the day's out, I need $2,000. So I'm going to sow in you $200, and I'm going to believe God for a hundredfold return, because he's been taught that by the TV preachers. Now, Jesus does mention hundredfold, but he also mentions lesser than that. It does not, he doesn't say every time it's going to be a hundredfold. But he said, I'm going to believe God for a hundredfold return, so by the end of the day, I'll have my 2,000. Well, my flesh kicked in. I said, you sure you don't want to give me 2,000 you get 20? Is that what the Bible calls faith? Or is that buying a miracle? Other extremes are the young lady that loses her husband to cancer. Somebody goes out to comfort her by saying something like this. If you had had enough faith, your, your, your husband wouldn't have died. That's not even, to me, that's not even Christian. Or a man that quits his job that says, I'm going I'm to quit my job and just live by faith. Okay? Better keep reading. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says it's okay to be hungry if it causes you to go to work. I had a college student tell me one time, he said, I've saved up my money for college, but I need a new car. So I'm going to take my college money, and I'm going to buy me a new car. I said, well, what about college? Oh, when I get ready to go back to college, God will provide the money. Family writes a check for $200 to the church's building program. The check bounces. When they call the family to say, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your check for $200 bounced. Oh, uh, well, I gave that in faith. I, I thought by the time, you know, time the bank clears the bank, God will put the $200 there. Those are just some of the examples that I'm hearing today, and you've probably heard today about faith. And someone has said very accurately, I think, that the word faith needs to be healed before it can heal others. But even though it's been abused, and, and I heard a guy say the other day, God doesn't open his hand until we open ours. In other words, when we open our hand and give to God, then that causes God to open his hand and give to us. You know, there's a Hebrew word for that. It's called baloney. Grace always comes first. You don't have to open your hand to get God to release grace to you. You don't buy grace, for by grace, for by grace have you been saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of work, so city man should boast. But that these are some of the ridiculous things. But even though it's been abused, the Christian life is still to be lived, a life of faith. Grace is God's hand. Grace is God's hand of giving. It always comes first. We don't have to give to him to get him to give to us. But these preachers that are saying, God's not going to open his hand uh, and give anything to you until you open your hand and give to him. No, no, no. No. God's grace always, always, always 
comes first. Grace, everything that God demands from us is fulfilled by faith. The, the, the key word for the Christian life is, is we're to live a, a life of faith. It's the identifying mark of a Christian. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. You know, the children of Israel spent 40 years outside the uh, promised land. They could have gone in but because of their what? Their lack of faith. You know, a person's unsaved today not because they go out and do bad things. It's because they don't believe. The Bible says this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light, and they'll not come to the light lest their evil deeds should be exposed. Four times in the Bible, Habakkuk 4 and verse uh, 4, uh, Romans 1, 17, Ephesians 3, 11, Galatians 3, 11, and Hebrews 10 and verse 38, all say the same thing, the just shall live by faith. Four times, one in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament, God says to us, the just shall live by faith. So if he tells us something four times, he gave us the gospel four times, didn't he? If he, if he tells us something four times, it means he wants us to understand it and get it. The Christian life is a life of faith. Paul said, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. Now, I want to look at some references today. Just things that the Bible says come to us through faith. Or, well, listen to uh, Romans 11, chapter 6, says this. It says that uh, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those that come to him must come to him by faith, believing he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do. M many people think that God's uh, blessed by our works, and, and he is. I mean, the Bible says that we're not saved by works, but we're saved unto works. So, yeah, God likes our works. He's, but, but if our works are not based on faith, then they're not going to please God. You see that? I mean, why are we working? Are we working to be rewarded, or are we working because we just love the Lord, want to do it? Uh, our giving is that way. I think the Bible teaches tithing. I've heard people say, I don't think it does. Well, I think it does. I think the Bible teaches tithing. But I think the Bible teaches over and above tithing. You know, some people say, well, you know, I, I, I tithe, I give my money to the Lord. But do you ever give anything over and above the tithe? That's where, the, the, obviously, most of the time the faith will come in. Not just faith giving, but Holy Spirit giving. When you're led by the Holy Spirit to give. I want to give you an example of how the Lord taught me that many, many years ago. In fact, it was in my first church outside of seminary. I... Uh, I finished seminary, and God sent me to Oklahoma, and I went into a church that was badly divided by the charismatic movement. And I was young and inexperienced and really didn't know how to deal with it. I, I was stressed out. I used to go to the doctor almost every week, and he would take a, 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 my whole mouth on the inside was just ulcerated. And he'd take one of these stepping pencils, just go in there and just burn them out. I said, why am I having all these, uh, all these, things, these ulcers in my mouth? He said, Barry, you're, you're, just, you're stressed out. So it was a very stressful church. So 
So to try to relieve the uh, stress, I started trying to think of, well, what can I do recreationally? You know, because that's always taught that was a good way to deal with stress. So I started playing tennis. One night I was out playing tennis, and I was so bad, I heard the mosquitoes say, if we're going to survive, we better get on the ball. Almost that bad. So uh, I was asked to do a revival uh, about, a, about an hour away from a little country church. And uh, so here's what I told my, my wife and I. When you're a preacher and you do a revival and you get a love offering, that's over and above your, your budget. So you kind of have money you can do, do something with that you, you know, wanted to do with but didn't have it. So here's what I told my wife. I said, uh, honey, I said, uh, my tennis rack is not very good. Of course, I was blaming that on my game. My, it's, it's a whole lot more Indian than it is Ara, believe me. But anyway, I, used, I said, I need to get a new tennis racket. Well, back then, you could buy a really good tennis racket for about 50 bucks. So I said, if we have a, a small love offering, uh, say $75, or, I, I'm going to go ahead and get that racket. Since I have the extra money. But I said, I really need a set of commentaries. I mean, I'm up there in 150 miles away from any big city where there's a library or, or a Christian bookstore, so I had to own my own commentaries. But I said, if God were to bless us with a, say a larger love offering, say 150 or so, I really would like to get those commentaries. They're $125. So we, we agreed on that, that we just... You know, get the racket or get the books. So the preacher told me, he said, now, when you come to the meetings at night and you get here early, just come over to Parsonage and we'll, we'll visit over there. I said, okay. So sure enough, I did get there early. So I went over to the Parsonage and I was sitting on the uh, couch. I was not eavesdropping. I was not trying to hear what they were saying. But the door to their bedroom was open and I heard them talking about a financial need that they were having in their lives. Didn't sound like it was a major thing, but it sounded like it was major to them. About that time, the Lord spoke in my heart and said, uh, by the way, I want you to take and uh, share your love offering with the pastor. That you, God? Okay. I know God's voice. I don't hear his voice, but I hear him speak in my spirit. So that was the last night of the revival. So I, uh, I went to one of the deacons in the church, and I said, look, I know you've got a worship leader, and he's going to get part of the revival offering, but what, whatever is my part of the, re the revival offering, I want to half it with your pastor. He said, well, it's your money. You get whatever you want. I said, I want to half it with him, but don't tell him I said this until I'm gone. So he agreed. So this was uh, Sunday night. We closed out the revival Sunday night. Again, he was about an hour away. Well, Monday morning in my office, somebody knocked on the door. It was that pastor. He'd driven an hour. He said, normally I would have mailed you this check, but he said, I, did, I wanted to thank you personally. Well, the offering ended up being $180. So I got 90 and he got 90 he said, Barry, you don't know this, but this money that you gave me met a real special need, immediate need in my, my family right now. Right. Well, 
you know, we both rejoiced in the Lord and uh, thanked Him. And well, somehow or another, an emergency came along and stole my 90 bucks. <laughs> I didn't get the racket and I didn't get the books. But about a week passed. I walked in my office one morning and there were two, two boxes sitting on my desk. I walked around and looked and it said R.C.H. Zelensky commentaries on the New Testament. And I was thinking, now who knew that I wanted those books other than my wife because her checkbook's the same as mine. So I remembered I had a deacon in the church that had those commentaries. He said, I used them to help me in my Sunday school lesson. So I called him up, and I said, his name was Irvin Redeker. I said, Irving, uh, there's a couple of boxes on my desk this morning. You wouldn't happen to know anything about them, would you? No, no, preacher, I wouldn't happen to know anything about them. I said, Irvin, listen, I know you bought those books. And it means a lot to me to know why you bought those books. He said, okay. He said, my son works in the Baptist bookstore in Oklahoma City. He said, I walked in there to see him one day, and as I was walking down the aisle, I looked down and saw R.C.H. Zelensky commentaries of the New Testament, and God said, I want you to buy those for your pastor. So I was just being obedient to the Lord. I said, thanks. About another week passed, a guy called me one day and said, Pastor, are you real busy? Can you turn loose for a few minutes? I said, sure, I can turn loose. He said, well, come out to the house. So I went out to the house. And I remember, I'll never forget this. I walked in, and I was going to sit down on the couch. He said, no, sit over there. About that abruptly. He said, no, no, sit over there. Okay. So I sat over there. He sat on the couch. He said, Pastor, I drove by the tennis court the other day, and I saw you and the Trinity preacher playing tennis. You like tennis? I said, yeah, I do. It's inexpensive, and uh, it's a good form of exercise. He said, well, you didn't look much like a tennis player. I said, you watched my game, didn't you? Yeah. He said, well, the Lord put it on my heart this week to invest in your recreation. So now I know why he's sitting on the couch. So he reaches behind the couch and pulls up this big sack and sets it on the couch beside me, beside him. And he reaches in the sack and pulls out the racket I would have bought. And he lays it on the coffee table. He says, uh, Pastor, is this a good racket? I think so. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, let me go back to my original statement. You didn't look much like a tennis player. So he reaches in the bag and he pulls out a pair of tennis shorts. He reaches in the bag and pulls out a tennis shirt that matched the shorts. That's them down. He says, I noticed on TV that the t real tennis players, they, they, they wear these headbands and wristbands. I said, yeah, I think they do. So he pulls out a couple of sets of wristbands, a couple of sets of headbands. He puts them on the table. He said, well, if you're going to play tennis, you need tennis balls, don't you? I said, well, yeah. So he reaches in the sack and pulls out two or three cans of, of tennis balls. And then he puts it all back in the sack, and I take it back to the office. And I count it up, it's about $150 worth of stuff. 
And I had no intentions of giving him that money to receive anything. But you see, when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our giving, he rewards us his way. And I've done that before. I've done it many times after that. I remember a preacher called me one day and he said, I found this check in my, I got this check today for $350. Do you have any idea what it's for? I said, yeah, it's your half of the love offering. You know, somehow or another, it's hard for God to get through us that his word is true. Given it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But the enemy will say, you know, if you looked at your budget lately, you can't afford to give. Let me tell you something. I can't afford not to give. Over the years, God's taught me that giving is one of my expressions of faith. Not, 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 no, it's not the only one. But it's one of the ones that, that we show him. I could spend more time there. I might come back and do it again, but I need to move on. Okay, so, so pleasing God. Things that are possible to God but impossible to us are made possible to us through faith. L listen to Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. Well, we knew that, didn't we? But listen to Mark chapter 9, verse 23. All things are possible to him who believes. Now, most people would interpret that fleshly. Oh, wow, you mean it's impossible for me to get a bigger house? You mean it's impossible for me to get a, a, a nicer car? Let's think in terms of spiritual for a moment. All things are possible to him that believes. That means that person you didn't think could get saved can get saved. That means that marriage that you didn't think could be healed can be healed. That means that, that, uh, that person on drugs that you didn't think could get off drugs can get off drugs. But we have to believe. We have to believe. Overcoming this world, the Bible said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? By the shield of faith. I've been talking about spiritual warfare. How do you fend off those fiery darts of the devil? The Bible says you hold up the shield of faith. We hold up the shield of faith. So it's because of that. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9. But resist him firm, that is the devil, resist him firm in your faith. So by faith, we resist those fiery darts. We re resist those thoughts that he's constantly shooting at us. By faith, we conquer daily problems. You know, I don't know about you, but it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes, the Bible says. It's not those great big things, but it's little things that come into my life daily. What does the Scripture say? The Bible says, whoever says to this mountain and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, then he'll have what he says. Now, I'm not editing that. That's what Jesus said. Whoever says to this mountain, let me ask you a question. Do you ever speak to your problems? Well, not so somebody could hear me. They'd think I'm nuts. I'm not talking about just talking to them. I'm talking about quoting Scripture to your problems. Do you ever do that? What did Jesus say? Whoever says to this mountain, because listen to me carefully, your faith is released by your words. Your faith is released by your words. The Bible says, with our words we're condemned, but with our words we're justified. 
Our words can take us captive or we can use our words as a weapon. We release our faith. That's not the only way to release it, obviously, but, but that's one of the ways to release it is to quote Scripture over that problem. Now, to quote the Scripture, you have to know the Scripture, all right? And to know the Scripture, you have to take time memorizing the Scripture. You say, well, preacher, I can't memorize Scripture. I had a mason tell me that one time. Oh, I can't memorize. Then how'd you get the Masonic Lodge? Everything in the Masonic Lodge is memorized. And it's so long, it takes you, they give you one year to memorize the first degree. They give you one year to memorize the second part of that first degree. And then they give you three more months, which is to memorize the last part, because it's a little bit shorter. And you know what? Those Masons could memorize the Masonic teaching, but they couldn't memorize Scripture. You know how I memorize Scripture? I'll take a Scripture and I'll write it out 25 times. 25 times. Study to show thyself a proof in the God, a work that needs not be ashamed, right divide the word truth. You're going to have to pay a price, but you can do it. You can memorize the Scripture. Because let me tell you something, you can't quote it if you don't know it. Amen? What is the only offensive weapon on that spiritual warfare that we have? Only one. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Satan will respond to the Word. They overcame the devil by, the, by, the, by their faith and by the... I'm sorry, I get that one messed up too. They overcame the devil by the word of their mouth, by the faith. I'm messing it up. Anyway, faith. Faith. Okay, Revelation. Uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm sure you know that scripture. <laughs> okay. They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's it. I knew it was up there. But as I get older, it's harder to get it out of there. But I know it's up there. By faith, we're made secure in Christ. By faith, we're made secure in Christ. Listen to 1 Peter chapter five, chapter 1, verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God. How? Next, it goes on. Through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in that last day. Our faith keeps us, God protects us. Uh, Paul said, I know in whom I've trusted and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. So we, we were guarded by God. Jesus, you know, when uh, Jesus was telling his disciples that, sign, uh, that uh, Peter was going to be sifted, what did he say? He didn't say, well, I'm going to pray that he won't be sifted, uh, that he'll miss all that. No, he didn't say that. He said this. He said, he's going to make it because I'm going to pray that, he, I'm going to pray that his faith will not fail. And can I tell you something? He's praying that same prayer over you in heaven right now. He's praying that your faith will not fail. By faith, we receive the promises of God. And everything you ask in faith, believing, you shall receive. Now listen, when you, when you interpret Scripture, always let other Scripture interpret Scripture with you. If you just take that Scripture out of, totally out of context and say, well, everything that I ask in prayer, believing, I, I will receive. But let other scriptures interpret that. The Bible says in James, for example, it's you're to ask in faith. The Bible says also that you're not to ask to consume it for your own lust. 
So when we ask in faith, what are we doing? We're, we're asking according to his will. Because God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, that, so we know God's will through his word, and we quote his word. Not just the carte blanche. Anything you ask God, God's going to do it. You know, how many of you parents have given your children every single thing they've asked for? I'm going to say to you, you're not a very good parent if you did that. I'm not being condemnation on you. I'm just saying your children are going to ask for some things sometimes that they don't need. Sometimes we ask God for things that we really don't need. But when we ask God for something that we do need, what does he say? I will meet that need according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So our faith makes the promises of God a, 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 a possession. The promises of God. I, every once in a while, just, I'll just go back and read the 11th chapter of Hebrew. What stirs my faith? By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So the Christian life is a life of faith. Now, what is faith? Well, Hebrews tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. But faith is also a verb. I mean, I say verb. I, English teacher would probably say it's a noun, but, but it's an action word. The Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone. You can't just say, well, I have faith. Well, James said, well, show me your faith by your works. And faith is not an emotion. Strangely enough, when you, strangely enough, when you read the New Testament through, you're, you're seldom ever, if ever, find faith attached to a, a feeling that you, you have to work up. No, you don't work it up. Faith is an affirmation. I think every Baptist preacher ought to preach in a black church just once. Just once. They will preach you. When you say something they believe, they affirm it. I mean, I was preaching in a black church one time. I didn't know what to expect. I did have no idea. They about preached me to death. I'd say something, yes, 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 yes. One time, this lady repeated everything I said. <laughs> I talked about, I think I shared that illustration with you a few weeks ago about uh, Fuller Brush put his brushes in a, in a building and he didn't sell any, so he went door to door, made, became a multi-millionaire. So I was telling that story, and I said, he didn't sell a single brush, this black lady said, didn't sell a single brush, not a single brush. He didn't sell a single brush. Well, I had to wait for her to get through for me to continue. Then the pastor, he was sitting over here somewhere. Every time I said something he really, really identified with, he'd stand up and go. <laughs> but you know what? They, they were affirming what I said. Faith is affirming what God said. It's saying the amen to what God said. It's accepting it as truth. It's a conviction, again, that leads to action. Faith is an action. We, we do it. We apply it. Uh, again, Hebrews 11. I love to read it. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. All down through there, it talks about what they did by faith, what they did by faith. And it's also an attitude. Faith is an attitude. To me, faith is saying that God's interested in my life. He's interested in every detail of my life. He has my back. Bible said he knows the hairs on my head. As I get older, that gets easier for him. But he knows them. He's got your back. Everything he does, he does for your good. You, you may not see it then, but you will in the long run. 
And faith is a rest. The Bible says if Joshua had given us rest, he wouldn't have spoken of another day. That was the day of Jesus. Let me ask you Christians something to see if you know this. Do you know why? Do you know why that we worship on the first day of the week instead of the last day of the week? In the Old Testament, they, they, worked, they, they worshiped on the last day of the week, didn't they? Saturday. That was the Sabbath. Today, as Christians, we worship on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Why? I know Brandon knows. Because we don't work toward rest. We work from rest. We work from the finished works of Jesus. So we begin the week working from his rest, from the rest that God has provided for us. Okay. Someone's telling me it's time to stop. <laughs> so that's how Jesus could sleep on a boat in the midst of a storm. You know, when they went down, those disciples went down and woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care whether we perish? He was so restful in, the, in God's provision. That's how Daniel could rest in a lion's den. So what's God looking for us? What is he looking for from us? He's looking for faith. What's he going to be looking for when he comes back for us? Listen to the scripture. Luke 18, 8. And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find it in you? God just kind of dropped something in my heart the other day. And I knew if I didn't write it down, I'd forget it. So I wrote it down. And this is what I feel like the Lord said. Sometimes God will give us a mountain just to show others that through faith it can be moved. We're going to do the invitation or altar call a little different this, today. We're going to stand in a moment and Brandon's going to come and lead us in worship. After we've worshiped, I'm going to ask Brandon to join me and we're going to stand right over here. And if you're sick today and need to be healed, uh, the Bible says, any, any sick among you, let him call for the elders. I'm an elder. I'm a pastor. That's what the word means. And let them anoint them with oil. And, and the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will save the sick. If he's committed sins, God will forgive them. Notice the, the healing came before the forgiveness. But I'll believe with you. If you're sick, you need somebody to agree with you in prayer. There's power and agreement after the service. It's not a counseling session. But if you're here today and you need prayer, or you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ, Brandon and I will be standing right over here after the service come down and let's pray with you. Okay? This is yes. This is no. Yes. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together.